Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor, brought to you by Heart and Soul Broadcasting Services. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with the chartered vendor, Jerry Nyazungu. Enjoy this thrilling conversation. Nyazungu. Yes. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor. Thank you, Trevor. I'm delighted that you created the time in your busy schedule. Yep. Jerry, you have written this book. Exactly. Uh, which I have read. Yeah. There is a section here, Jerry, which uh, if I was editor of this book, I would have edited <laughs> it out. Do you, know, do you want to know which section that is? <laughs> oh, I can take a guess. You can take a guess. Maybe. Well, what, what's the, what do you think that is? Uh, the My Guru part. Yes. Yes, it's the My Guru part. Um, to tell viewers what happened, what happened there, and and the locators walk us through what happened. Where were you? What were you doing when okay, when, you, when you encountered my guru? <laughs> okay, thank you so much. So I was uh, as as I was doing vending, selling seeds, selling my bananas. I had now bought a payphone. You know those uh, payphones in two thousand eight. We used to take those office phones and those big. Uh, Motorola's and would use it as a payphone. So she 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 would come to my store. She would uh, actually call call her relatives and several times. So I actually I was interested in a young sister, and I said ah, I think that's a good that's a good lady. Uh, but unfortunately now, when she noticed that I know I was interested in the young sister, the young sister was sent uh, back to the rural areas. <laughs> Then I didn't, uh, I didn't even suspect anything. So we started our usual relationship. She's coming in, she'd phone, she'd leave. And I was even... Usual relationship as a client. She's a client, she, exactly. She's a customer. She's a customer. She comes to your vending store. Exactly. Yeah. She phones, she buys some donuts, she buys some seeds. But uh, she was buying in large sums. And uh, every day I would expect and, and I would actually budget the money if she's available because I knew that she would buy a lot of stuff. But, um, and I was the husband also, we were actually friends with the husband as well. He became a friend. I became more like family. Mm -hmm. So I didn't suspect anything until when I said, no, I think I can teach you. I started as a conversation. I wanted to, to be taught maths. And I said, no, at school I was also teaching maths. So I can just teach you for free because mm. I, I know this thing. Then she said, no, I've got friends as well. Then I said, no, I think you guys can pay me a little bit because she had about three friends who wanted to be taught. So, first days it was normal. I would go there, teach her. Then, this other day, I was supposed to teach her 1300 hours. Then, she changed the schedule and she said, No, I think you can come earlier. Then, I said, ah, I just suspected something. I didn't suspect that there was uh, that, uh, that something which was deep, but I just said, hey, There's something wrong. Then, I called the other friends and I said, No, we have had a lesson earlier today because mm -hmm. I thought maybe they'd rescheduled all of them. So, when I went there now, I got my shocker. I actually opened the door. Then she said, no, you can come in, Bamnini. Then I'm like, ha, ah, but she's speaking. She's actually in the bedroom. Then it was wide open. Uh, then that's when I saw, oh, interesting. Uh, so when the other friend was... She coming, was naked. She was almost, almost half naked. Mm -hmm. Then the other friend was behind me now. So she saw that as well. So that's when she pushed the door. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's how I escaped the... The Joseph Potiphar moment, but uh, it was. And, and, uh, and tell me, so uh, when when I read the story, I, I was like, I would have edited the story out. <laughs> Why did you include it here? What what was what's the purpose of the story? Yeah, thank you so much. So uh, as I was also writing the chart vendor, I said, let me write almost like that's why I was using names of the people, original names of the people, and uh, I wanted to also advise my fellow brothers uh, who are in business, because most of them, they've actually failed because of uh, these office uh, romance, relationships outside the business. Sometimes you employ someone, you employ your PA, you end up dating your PA. It compromises professionalism. So I said, if I put this story and 
I also make uh, other men who are out there see how I escaped this situation. Mm. There are people also being tempted almost on a daily basis uh, because we're living in a world which has changed mm. and which is too fast. So I said, for a young person who wants to get into entrepreneurship, and uh, just imagine I was a vendor, an ordinary vendor. Imagine now when you're a CEO of 100 people, mm. you are employing maybe 50 women with different agendas. Mm. So I just uh, felt like, I should tell someone who is, uh, especially in Africa, because mm. people are going through this almost on daily basis. Temptation. Yes. Yeah. And what's been the response? One, your wife's response to that story, and secondly, your reader's response to that story. Uh, I think. Uh, thank you so much. I think almost ninety-five percent of the readers. Uh, th that's the the most exciting part of the book. <laughs> and even when I had not published the book, I wrote this story on my Facebook page. Mm. Uh, and I got about, that was my first time getting about 1,000 likes because of uh, <laughs> that story. So it seems like uh, people, they like uh, those kind of stories. Uh, they like r romantic stories. Mm. So I just said, my wife, obviously, she's supportive. Uh, I didn't even consult you when I was writing. So I just said, baby, you can see the book when it's now finally out. Yeah. So she read the whole book and she also enjoyed that part as well. Wow. <laughs> so well done for you. You, I, I think, um, uh, put a lot of us to shame. Yeah. They, they, somebody said there's a book in all of us. That's true. Uh, if only we could be disciplined and patient to write the book. You've been disciplined and yeah. patient. Talk to me about what it required of you to write this book, which is 187 pages, which is basically sharing the story of where you've come from and where you're right now. What, what did it require from you in terms of any sacrifices? Yeah, yeah, I, I did, uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, I think what happened was during COVID-19, I said those first, first 21 days, which were very difficult for us. And I said, I started reading, I was reading a lot of books. It was just when... I was coming from Zambia. I think I'd come from Zambia the, the, the previous week. So I said to myself, huh? I started reading books. Then I read this other book, which was saying, everyone has got a story to tell. Then they, I, I said, I couldn't, I was, as I was reading, then they said, no, you've got that dark moment in your life. Use it as a story which can actually inspire other people. Then I just thought, I was a vendor. So it started off, uh, I think I, was, I just wrote a small story about my life. And I, this, uh, this picture, first I was wearing my first suit. Mm. That was my first professional suit. Mm -hmm. Then I posted on social media. Ha! Many people were inspired. P people, they, some people said, no, you're lying. It's not you. Then I said to myself, but that author now, that's it was what you were saying. Why can't I start writing a book? That's when I said, no. As the economy is almost closed, what can I do? Let mm -hmm. me start writing the book. And it just took me about, with the support of my team, because I've got a, a wonderful team at MJ Media, they started pushing me. I think in almost one month, three weeks, I was actually done. But I was waking up every day at 2 a.m. Wow. And I would write from 2 a.m. up to 6 a.m. 6 a.m., I would start to, uh, my, my work. Because even while I was working from home, I was also... Uh, working because that's where actually uh, my, my company it grew better in, in the COVID time, uh, I think, than any other time. That's interesting. Yeah. And how do you explain that, that that growth of your company during COVID when, when there's a lockdown? Yeah, it was because everyone, when everyone, everyone retreated. Yeah. But because I was reading, mm -hmm. I, I think uh, there's, a, there's someone actually said when you want to hide something from from especially from a black man, put yeah. it in writing. Yeah. So I, when I was writing now, it opened my eyes. Okay, I'm not supposed to stop. I'm supposed to be advertising even more because this guy, there's a book which is called If You're Not First, You're Last. Mm -hmm. It was written by a guy called, uh, by a billionaire. Uh, he's called uh, Grant Cardone, mm -hmm. an American billionaire. So he wrote, it was almost like when COVID, because mm -hmm. he was talking about a flu pandemic. Mm -hmm. But he was saying that's the right time we should put more effort we should be advertising even more. We should be posting seven times. So this guy was, by then he was 63 years old. Then I'm like, I went on his page. He's mm. posting six, seven times, but he's 63 years old. Mm. He's in America. He owns a private jet. He owns a helicopter. But Jerry doesn't own anything. So why shouldn't I post? So when I started posting, for sure, things started changing. And I aged also everyone in my organization to say, no, the government has said, 
there is a lockdown. They didn't say it's a holiday. So that was my motto. Every day we'd have a meeting at 7.30 a.m. We'd have a review at, uh, at, at 4.30 p.m. On daily basis, including Sundays, mm. whilst we're on lockdown. Mm. Yeah. So, so tell, tell us, uh, Jerry, what is it that you do? What do, what do you do? We do business consultants. Mm -hmm. So uh, like the chartered vendor, what it simply means is uh, I'm a qualified chartered secretary. I did CIS, mm -hmm. and uh, I also got experience from vending. So when I, my first, I started off by registering companies. I would go to Deeds office, register companies. So that's when I started noticing. So as a client of yours, you people need to know that. You registered one of my companies. We registered yeah. Heart and Soul. <laughs> yes, you registered Heart and Soul. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So when, when, when I was registering companies, that's when I noticed a big gap because I was, uh, as I, I'm, I was reading a lot of information from America, from China. Then I'm noticing, no, these companies, I think there's something which is lacking. That's when I said, no, I no longer want to do... Firstly, it was more like an accounting firm. But right now, we're now into business consultants, covering things like marketing. Mm. Uh, I'm now a, a sales trainer. I'm doing a lot of sales trainings. I was actually in Botswana for sales training. I've done trainings in Blawa in a lot of cities in, in, in Zimbabwe. So we also do HR. So I have said, how can I build a timeless business in Zimbabwe? How can we have that small business, that mm. startup, how can we make it grow into also a multinational company? So that's my vision to say, at least if I've got three companies which are going to be listed on any stock exchange, which I'm going to register, I'll be very delighted. Mm. So that's what we do in our company. We're in business consultants, but we've got five uh, subsidiaries, all which are in consultants, HR. Talk, talk to us about this, the, the five subsidiaries. Which, which are they? One, yeah, this MNJ Consultants. Mm -hmm. That's an accounting firm. Okay. Uh, we've got MNJ Media, it's mm -hmm. a marketing uh, marketing and branding. Then we've got the Chartered Vendor, it's now also a company. Mm -hmm. We do sales trainings, we also do strategies for organizations. Mm -hmm. Then I've got MNJ HR, we do human resources, recruitment, mm -hmm. trainings. Mm -hmm. Then lastly, I've got a company called SEPA, it does your ERP software. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we do ERP softwares, which is called Odoo and Hansa. And and how many people are you employing now? We're employing 65 people 65 in Zimbabwe people. and Zambia. When you wrote this book, you're employing 50. So it's now 65 people? It's 65 people, yeah. And what, what are, these are professionals. These are uh, professionals. Talk to me about the, the, the spread of your, your the people that you employ. Okay. We mostly employ young people because mm -hmm. almost everyone in my company, they're under 35. Okay. And... Uh, these are graduates. These are graduates. Uh, accountants. Accountants. I've yeah. got accountants. I've got uh, website designers. We've got graphic designers, we've got videographers, uh, we've got um, uh, HR practitioners. I, I've got an intention to also employ some legal practitioners as well because we want to study more like a commercial legal department within mm. the organization mm. as well. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so what, what's, what's the vision? What are you aiming for? What's the big thing for, for as far as the chartered vendor is concerned? And the vision is to say I want... Uh, we want to change the mindset of our African our Africans, like to say, because I what I've noticed is we believe Africans we pay too much attention to politics and we blame everything on politics. So I'm saying the chartered vendor goal is to say, how can I spread this information in Africa to say, let us change our mindset. There's money out there, especially here in Zimbabwe. There are plenty of opportunities which are there. Uh, if uh, I'd say to my, even to my team, I said, MNJ, in the next five to 10 years, we can have at least 20 subsidiaries because opportunities are all over. Mm. But you cannot see an opportunity if you are blinkered now because you're focusing on, we should change a president, we should change a minister, we should change an MP, we should change the mindset. So my vision, number one, is to change uh, other people's mindsets, especially here in Africa. Then number two, in doing that, I need to employ at least... 1,500 young people remove, because we, I believe that you and me were the ones who can change our economy. The duty of the politicians is to create an environment, but the duty of us entrepreneurs, we're the ones who can reduce the unemployment rate. What, what do you say to the viewers that are watching now who are going to say, yeah, but you, you, there's an elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is politics. Yeah. And you are you're saying we should take our minds off the politics. What, what do you say to that? Yeah. Um, what, what, do I, what do I say to the viewers is um, 
yes, the elephant is in the room. It's never going to, like, uh, yes, how can you actually create uh, lemonade out of this lemon now? Mm-hmm. Whilst maybe there's an SI which has been introduced, which seems unfair to other people. How can you take advantage of it? Mm-hmm. I've told most of my clients to say, sometimes if the economy was uh, proper, you were never going to be in business. You'd be an accountant somewhere, you'd be a teacher in the rural areas, but because we've got problems, that's why now maybe you're now employing 2,000 people. That's why some of the people are now million, millionaires. But if the economy was okay, you're just going to say, no, let me find comfort in being a cashier. Mm-hmm. I think I've traveled. I've got a branch in Zambia. I tried to actually give my, one of my, 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 my lawyers, I said to her, because I was afraid, you're, you're getting out of the country for the first time. I said to her, no, I think I can give you 25% of the shareholding. Then she said, Jerry, no, I don't want your shareholding. Give me my money. Then I'm like, how much do you need? Then she needs $500 a month. Why? It's because she has never seen, uh, she, she doesn't have the view which we have here in Zimbabwe. Was, if you're going to give a Zimbabwean shareholding, you will jump for it without even consulting. But this lady actually said, no, I don't want your shares. Because why? She hasn't been exposed to Zimbabwe's problems. So sometimes let us, this lemon, yes, which is there, how can you make lemonade? And we are making a lot of it. Because if, if the economy was on bed, Jerry was never going to find a story to write about vending. Mm. I should have just went into university like any other kid. Mm. Mm. So right now, we should have that change of mindset. Whenever something, or hospitals, they don't have uh, medicine. We don't have equipment. Who is going to bring that equipment into the hospitals? Whoever is going to do that? You'll be a billionaire just like our doctor, Sir Masiwa. Mm. So that's what I'm saying. Even in our offices, we've written in each and every office, there's a sign which is called, which is written, no negativity allowed here. Mm. So we don't want to hear that the economy is hard. Mm. We don't want to hear that uh, uh, we are failing to sell because of the customer. We, if something happens, it's because of us. We are to blame. Wow. Yeah. Um, how do you change that mind, mindset? Are you experiencing any pushback? First of all, how do you change the mindset? What are, what are the key things that need to be done for that mindset to be changed? Because a lot of people focus on tweeting about politics yeah. um, and not uh, on, on, on how they themselves need, need to change. All that they see is what's wrong about the politics. They spend 100% of their time on what's wrong about the politics. But you're saying, take your mind off that. How do you do that? Yeah, thank you so much. That's why I have uh, established a company called The Chartered Vendor. And I'm speaking in various forums. I think uh, just uh, a month ago, we had about a whole week where I had about seven seminars trying to educate the young people, even from, because this problem hasn't started, it's not starting from in adulthood, from ECD. We need to start educating our kids that if you're going to make it, don't blame anyone. Don't blame your parents. Don't blame your leaders. Yes, the problem might be there, but how can you see the opportunity? So to change them now, we need even, sometimes it requires us even to change our curriculum because that's the one which is not also telling with what is happening right now. People are doing like you find someone reading a book, 1980s, but is it still applicable in 2022 with this kind of technology which is now there? So... I'm saying I've done even in schools to say, but people are actually acknowledging it even in schools. Young kids are coming to me. Uh, Jerry, I, my mother was saying I, want, I should be a doctor, but I don't have any passion about being a doctor. I want to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, no, we should see your mother and actually tell you that there are, there are billionaires, there are multimillionaires who are making it in journalism as well. There are sportsmen, there are musicians. We've got our job praises. We're making it. In music, not through school. So all that now, it is to start from ECD. It is to start from early childhood and to, to educate people that, yes, you can go and complain. But end of the day, it's your life. If you, you can complain as many times as you can, but there's no one who's going to come and feed you. Even right now, if you're going to say there's going to be... I was in, actually in Zambia when uh, President uh, Hakainde was, uh, was, uh, was elected. People were happy. Some even got injured because of celebrating. But I told them, you guys are celebrating today. I'll come back in two months. You'll be crying. When I went back, these guys were now saying, ah, 
there's no money. I think this guy, uh, Lung, was even better because money was floating around. Right now, this guy is tightening screws, even the opportunities which you used to have, tenders, no money is coming out. Other companies have actually went out of business, but they were the ones who are celebrating now that the guy is coming in. So it happens because of us. It doesn't happen because of someone else. That's the mentality which you should have. You've written this book yes. about you being a vendor. And I must ask you this question. Looking at you dressed in this very beautiful suit yeah. um, and looking at, is that you? Is yeah, that actually that's you? me. That's me. Yeah. Are you sure? Yes. As a vendor? As a vendor. So tell us how you became a vendor. Okay. What happened? Yeah, thank you so much. So I was born and bred in, in Watomba. So my father was uh, This is in, in uh, Watomba. It's 40 kilometers from Tari. Tari, yeah. I know pure box Watomba. So that's where I come from. So I, as I was, uh, you know, we are young, A-level, I finished my A-level at Hatsa. Then that's when things started getting very hard in 2003, 2004. Things were difficult even at school. I would notice that, no, even my parents were also struggling because he was a civil servant. Um, yeah, and I said to myself, right, I think I need to take responsibility. I'll be a temporary teacher. So I became a temporary teacher at Nyamingura, Zindi Secondary. It's in Eastern Islands mm. uh, for about eight months. So whilst I was there, I picked up an old newspaper. You know, those days, I knew someone with a newspaper, you'd keep it for two, three months. <laughs> so when I was reading now, I read a story about Dr. Gideon Gono, whereby I was saying it from a tea boy. To, 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 to a governor. And I'm like, okay, so someone can be from a T-boy to a governor. I started reading. Mm. Then he said he did CIS. That's how I did CIS. So I said, okay. So you were inspired, was by, inspired by Gono's Gono. story. Exactly. Wow. So I, I, when I read it, I said, so I can, I can be a governor without even going to the university. So I said, ah, that's a, that's a fine, that's a good, that's now an opportunity for me to help my parents because I don't think they can afford to send me to the university. So immediately I came, I came to Harare. I say I registered for CIS. I went back to Nyamingura. I taught for about three months. Then I resigned because it was an open space for, for three years. Then I resigned, came to Harare. Then I said to my mother, I need to go to Harare. I said, mm, but you don't have anyone to stay with. Then I said, no, but you've got relatives in Harare. I started staying with my uncles in Glenview. That's how I came into Harare. Came into Harare one week. I was employed at Edgar's. I worked at Edgar's for about eight months again. Whilst working at Edgar's, things started getting even tougher. That's when we were eating uh, that uh, hard crust bread called guanguata. It total would eat that. It would be thrown on a plastic. Then you'd get that bread. You'd eat that. So when they said my contract was expired, it's expired at Edgar's. At Edgar's, I wasn't surprised because the economy was very, very, very what hard. What year now. was that? What year was that, that was year 2006. Okay. Uh, in June, that's when they said, no, the contract is expired. Uh, they gave me my 9.5 million beer checks. <laughs> uh, it wasn't a lot of money. It was a, a loaf of bread was around 100,000. Then a, a airtime card was 500,000. So uh, that same month, my brothers as well, they said, ah, Jerry, I think you've bought your mattress. You've bought your two plates at the... A old two-plate stove, which I had bought. Then they said, "No, I think you can now stay on your own." And it was difficult to find ways uh, to find somewhere to stay because I was staying in Glenview One, Zimbabwe Chato. Then they said, "No, uh, you need to find somewhere to stay." I was given five days' notice. At the same time, I had no but job. But who gave you five days? Notice? My brothers. Wow. I had no job as all well because my job. These are your cousins, eh? My cousins, cousins brothers. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So when when when. When I, I, I started finding somewhere to stay, fortunately, after about uh, three days, I found Ambuya Tendai. I started staying with Ambuya Tendai. It was also tough staying there. Then my 9.5 million, I had no choice. It was either I was supposed to go to Watsomba or to struggle in. Mm. Then I chose the later. Uh, I used the other 4 million 
to pay my rentals, then the other four million to start my vending business. That's how I became a vendor. And I started selling airtime. Why airtime? It was a bit lucrative to say you're selling airtime because almost 10% of the population was owning cell phones by then. And uh, would sell those at that airtime. I would run from, uh, you know, I was selling at Glenview Police in front of police station. There's a Woodrow police station. It's corner Patrend and Willowville. That's where I was doing my vending. So selling airtime, uh, then that's how I became a vendor. Then I, when I noticed that no airtime is not paying enough, even up to date, I think airtime profits are, the margins are too small. That's when I said, no, let me start the, the actual vending, sweets, bananas, ring donuts. And sometimes we'd even eat one meal a day. Sometimes I even ate, you know, if you chew your sugar cane, um, when you're peeling off the sugar mm. cane, when you chew, you throw that, that, those things uh, down, would actually eat that as well. Something which was eaten by someone else because we couldn't afford sugar cane. These days I buy a lot of it because now I cannot afford. So that's the life which I, I, I lived. It was, I was a vendor because of uh, circumstances. I, was, I wanted to survive. Mm. It wasn't by choice. Mm. Yeah. So d- describe to me what, what, what that vending thing looks like. So you get up in the morning. What time do you get up? What do you do? Uh, talk to us about what, what it is like to be a vendor. Yeah, I was supposed to be at the vending store at uh, 5 a.m. Uh, because uh, uh, when you get when you wake up early, even up to date, I, I get it to my office at around uh, before half past six in the morning. Because what I noticed is if you show up early, you you always get uh, more. So I would wake up early, uh, sell. Sometimes when eight o'clock, when you get to eight o'clock, I would have sold my my stuff. And I would wake up very early. Sometimes we'd be beaten by police. Sometimes we'd be get arrested. I was actually arrested more than 43 times because I had 43 yellow copies. Uh, before I married my wife, then she destroyed my, my evidence. Uh, and what are yellow copies? You know, those are when you're, when you're charged by the police. Okay. You are given those yellow. They used to be yellow. Those are to admission of guilty copies. So that was how I was given. And at one point... So what were you charged for? What, illegal what vending. Illegal vending. Illegal vending. It was illegal to but vend. But you're selling right in front of them. I was your store selling was right, right in front of them. Of them and uh, you'll be lucky if you finish a day without being harassed or being pushed because I was selling in front of them. Mm. And you know, as they say, more risk, more returns. So we didn't have a lot of competition because I was selling in front of police station. How long, did you do, how long did you do the spending thing? From 2006 up to 2009. Three years. Three years. You were a vendor. I was a vendor. I did my part A, part B as a vendor without going to school. So uh, your money from vending paid for your uh, CIS. CIS. Yes. And it also paid for my brother who was in the university. Because my young brother was at UZ now, because mm. we're almost, uh, we've got a difference of about two years. Mm. So he was at UZ, I was paying for him. I was also uh, helping my father to pay for my sister who was in the boarding school because of vending. So why would you leave vending when it's so lucrative? It was lucrative, but it was now year 2009. The economy was dollarized uh, by some, there's a debate, it depends with... Uh, but uh, I think it was dollarized by Minister Chinamasa, mm-hmm. uh, maybe with the help of Tendai BT yeah, by then, yeah. uh, February 2009. We're now using the US dollars. So I said, no, I think it's the time for me to get back to the industry. It's because I had papers now. So you qualified. Yeah, I qualified. So this other lady also, my customer actually gave me that job. Mm. Uh, she gave me a job. She said, no, I think you can come in, baby. My, my workplace, they need a bookkeeper. I went there for an interview. I passed that's how I came back to, to, to the industry. Started working as a bookkeeper. Mm. Yeah. So t- you, you, you say here um, in your book that um, um, you are assaulted by police. Exactly. Uh, I will never forget the day I was beaten 40 times under my feet at Glenview Police Station. Mm. It was now part of my life being arrested for illegal vending. Mm. They beat you up. Exactly. I'd run away with airtime. They wanted to, what would they do? Because the economy was tough. Everyone was uh, battling for survival, including the police officers themselves. So what they would do, if they arrest you, mm. they would take everything from you. Mm. So I just arrived from uh, buying my airtime. I had airtime for 300 US dollars, I still remember. 
Because it was 2009, the economy was dollarized. I had ATM for 300 years. So if I had lost that ATM, it was my entire capital gone. So I said to myself, there's no way uh, I would run for my dear life. And uh, I think the way I ran away from them, I would have even given a Usain Bolt <laughs> <laughs> some competition. So yeah. So but they caught you still. Yeah. They uh, caught you. No, I had to come back because I was I well see. known. Uh -huh. uh, there was no way to run. End of the day, was, there was two game to But at least you went and hid your capital. And they hid my capital. Yeah. And I came back now with my water recharge only. But that's time, because I used to be, you know, even in vending, I, I learned a lot from vending. Because whilst the people were selling airtime cards, there was a crisis in 2009 when we dollarized the economy, whereby airtime was scarcity, and we we're now using what is called water recharge. I was the first one to start using water recharge. In, in what what is water recharge? Yeah, sending your airtime directly to your phone. Like, what is happening right now? To say, if I want to transfer from airtime to you, I can easily transfer it to you. I see. So, I would buy it in bulk now. Like, I would buy airtime from, maybe from, who, from, from, from the wholesaler. Yeah, from, the wholesale. from, from Econet. Would buy it in, in, in bulk. Then there was a company in Masasa which, which used to do water recharge. Then they would send it to us. Then would now send it to our customers, uh, whether it's a uh, buddy, whether it's net one. So I but, embraced but you, technology. But you say the margins were, were low. Were low, very low. Were low initially, but later now when I had a lot of capital, mm -hmm. I was now doing the phone and I was now also doing airtime because I had sufficient capital now. Because mm -hmm. I went back also to start doing airtime. I'm laughing because I'm looking at a vendor <laughs> um, talking about having sufficient capital sitting in a corner. Talk, <laughs> talk to me about the lessons you learned mm. um, from, from sitting there. Mm -hmm. And, and doing vending. I'll tell you before you, you do that, exactly. I, I, I have respect for vendors because I uh, decided some time back when the police were harassing our vendors mm -hmm. that I would newspaper sell vendors. <laughs> that I'll be a newspaper vendor. I tell you, that day I, I, I took my head off to people who do vending. It's not easy. It's not easy. Um, particularly standing on the road mm -hmm. uh, at a street corner by two, three hours, my feet were hurting. I was, I was exhausted and that kind of stuff. Talk to me about the lessons you learned um, um, standing there and, and vending. Well, it looks like at some yeah. point you would sit. Yeah. What, what lessons did you learn from I, vending? I learned, number one, that's when I learned my selling skills. Uh, I'm, an account, I'm an accountant by profession, but right now I love sales. I like, I like uh, talking about sales because why? I learned about sales. They taught me how to sell. Was if you didn't, didn't know how to sell, if you don't know how to interact with your customer, that's the first time you are now being insulted by customers. That's the first time you are being rejected by customers. Because sales is all about rejection. You are being rejected. Some would insult you. Some would come and say, no, you are down. That's, but that's why you're a vendor. Someone would say, no, you guys, the people are actually beating teachers at school. People would say a lot. So it, it, I, I was a kind of tough, toughened by being a vendor. Number one, I also learned PR skills to talk to people, mm. smile when even when things are tough, you say, smile at people. And I also learned that um, even accounting, my basic practical accounting, mm. I started doing my book first as a vendor. I started hiring, I had, I had four people when I was a vendor. And my first employee was when I was a vendor. So recruitment, I recruited one of my I uh, a friend to my, my brother. I recruited him. Then it didn't went well. I noticed that, no, there's a disadvantage in recruiting relatives. There's also a disadvantage, in, especially in recruiting friends. So I said, no, I think there's a lesson as well, because right now, even if you're a relative, yes, we're not saying employing relatives is bad, but you should employ qualified relatives. Mm -hmm. So all those lessons, they came from vending, waking up early, because I noticed that if I start early, like at our company, started at half seven. No more consultants. They started eight or even after eight, they're working from mm -hmm. themselves. But mm -hmm. we say at half seven, everyone is supposed to be in the building. It's still helping us to beat our competition even up to now. Wow. Yeah. So you set up MNJ uh, in 2015. Yes. Uh, talk to us about the inspiration of setting up MNJ. To be honest, when I, uh, when I started MNJ, it was because I wanted to survive. I was um, I used to work for a, for, a, for a publishing company. Then when they said no, I think you should we should part ways. Uh, I uh, 
it came as a shocker because yes, I wanted to exit, but uh, I think someone tipped them. Then I was booted out. I wanted to Before survive. Before you were ready. Yeah, I wanted to survive um, with my family. I, I still remember we were renting at uh, Ifields, two rooms, the eight of us staying in two rooms, including my wife. So I wanted to survive, to be honest, when I started. When I started now, that's when I noticed that, no, I think this thing can be big. So to be honest, I didn't have a, the vision. It actually emanated when I started the MNJ already. Yeah. As, as I'm listening to you, um, your lessons by the, by the corner as you're vending, I'm just wondering how much of these are lessons or discovering who you are. Hmm. Because I think you've got the talent. Yep. And these conditions that you were exposed to made you discover the things that you already have. Does that make sense? Exactly. What do you say to that? That's true, because uh, even, you know, when I grew up, I, I was an introvert. Even in school, people were surprised. Even some people actually being surprised to say, ah, oh, this guy, he talks. And uh, I see I was actually fired from the debate club. They said, no, you cannot debate, you cannot do public speaking. But uh, right now I'm now doing public speaking in real life. Those words in school for public speaking, they're not doing that. And it's, it, it, yes, you're right. How do you explain that? I think um, it's it's because of uh, when you're at school, sometimes we're just doing things without uh, putting them into practice. But this is now real life, whereby even at my school, like at my brothers and younger, most of the people there, they are executives, in, senior executives in big big companies, ETC. That is what my people are like. But because I went through vending now, I'm changed. To, to them, I'm more like an alien because it's impossible for someone at Marist. The Marist people are more reserved mm -hmm. because of the way we're doing things at school. The way you're taught. You're taught. Coming be, from the religion side. Religion it's, side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also it was a boy's high. And uh, the, the cream, the like cream of the, 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 the country, 15 pointers, is what does that school. So I say to myself, vending now changed me and gave me another picture to say, okay, I need to learn how to be innovative. Even right now, every year in our company, we make it a policy that we're introducing something new. Because uh, something which I've actually introduced, uh, maybe we started off with registering companies, but you notice that everyone, especially after my book now, everyone is coming out of university who did a Bachelor of Accounting, ACA, they're doing company registration. So end of the day now, it, will, it won't give me much. So every year I'm supposed to bring something new to the market, mm -hmm. something new to the market. I'll be, I'm always reading American books, how the Americans are doing it, how the Chinese are doing it, how the Asians are doing it, how can I actually improve my business and also advise my client of the new technology which is happening. For example, I started off a CRM business, customer relationship management software. So we're sending those softwares even to our customers. Because I noticed that in America, 98% of the companies in America are using CRMs. Mm. Here in Africa, the percentage is almost 2% of the companies are using customer relationship management softwares. So I said, this is an opportunity for Africa. Mm. Let us come with that software, train people when we make money. Imagine getting free access to the Newsday, the Standard, the Zimbabwe Independent, and the Weekly Digest for a full month. What well, you can... And all you need to do is download the Newsday e-reader app on Google Play Store or scan the Newsday QR code in any of the AMH print publications and start enjoying the quality content. Obviously, um, you're a very passionate person. Mm. Um, I, I can't believe that you say you you couldn't debate at school because you 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 can you can hold your own yeah. um, and and be very persuasive. <laughs> what drives you? Where do you get your passion from? What, what inspires you um, yeah. to to work as hard as you do to to push yourself as as hard as you do? What drives you? Okay. Yeah, probably there's something which I didn't even write. Uh, maybe I covered it in the book. 
uh, initially, especially during the 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 when politics was, uh, I think early two thousand, I started debating politics with other kids, etc. I was very passionate about politics, and I'm like, ah, I think I can be a politician. But I later noticed that no, it's not me. I think I can, I can. Because I wanted to change, to say to change the way people are thinking. Mm-hmm. Then I, I said, no, I don't think I can be a politician. I can be a business person and try to change people from that, from a neutral point of view without engaging into politics. So it kind of, it drives me to say, where does Africa stand? I think recently we have actually uh, buried uh, the Queen of England, uh, uh, Queen of United Kingdom, uh, Queen Elizabeth, mm-hmm. I mean, so rest in peace. But you notice, how these guys, if you look at the video, how they respect their culture, how they respect their queens and their kings. But here in Africa, we're told not to respect our queens and our kings. In, instead, we respect our politicians. The president is on top of the kings. So I'm like, I started questioning myself to say, will Africa develop, uh, will we ever develop if we don't respect our culture? If we don't respect even religion right now, if you're going to say we're divided because of religion, the countries which are doing good, they've got one religion which is dominant and they believe they've got one, they've got a strong culture foundation. So to me now, it drives me to say, how can we emancipate Africa? How can we change the mindset of Africans? So every day I say to myself, I, I, that's when I opened my Facebook page. Even right now, my TikTok is growing. I now have a lot of audience on TikTok because of the business lessons which I'll be giving. But also now saying no, no one is going to transform Africa. It's us. I am, my heart bleeds when a president is saying we have signed uh, 25 million, 25 billion from World Bank. It simply means that we can, we are, we are acknowledging that as Africans, we can never do something big. Mm-hmm. We've got our minerals. We've got a good climate. So I'm saying, how are we actually, where are we missing it? That actually drives me. That gives me energy to speak even for six hours whilst I'm training people. Because I'm saying, if we change our economies, these small companies which are in Africa, uh, these SMEs are the ones which can be multinational companies. I'm dreaming of even us employing people from England coming to Zimbabwe to look for jobs, it's, it's a possible, it's a possibility because we've got everything in Africa. So that drives me. It gives me, when I'm reading these books, because these days now, uh, even my car is a moving library. I hardly listen to it, radio. I listen to my, to my audio books, learning from these guys, how they've managed to build uh, America, how they've managed to build UK, how they've managed to come up with strong culture, Strong economy in China. Right now, they were saying in 2030, almost uh, 40% of, uh, the, the, I think 20 or 40% of the Chinese will be millionaires. Mm. So where are we missing it as Africa? When, when, why did you say to yourself, politics is not for me? Just explain that to us. I noticed how it divides people, in, especially not in Africa, here in Zimbabwe. When you start saying, I'm aligned to ZANU-PF, an enemy of almost half of the population. When you also say uh, yeah, you support uh, maybe the CCC, you're also maybe the enemy of half of the population. So, and people, they take, in other countries, politics is just like sport. I noticed when I was in Zambia, people would wear uh, President Elie Edgar Lung's T-shirts. Soon after the election, whilst uh, President Agaende won the election, it's not as... Uh, Toxic as in Zimbabwe. So I said, politics, no. But there will be people right now who are watching this, you saying this, that in itself says you support somebody else. Yeah. You can't be neutral in this country. How are you surviving being neutral? It's possible. <laughs> Very possible. Because I, what I want is it's the good of my country. I don't care whether you come from MDC. I don't care whether you come from CCC. I'm a business consultant. I want to save our country. But uh, the people out there will say, no, you've got to support somebody. You can't because you don't support CCC. Therefore, you support Mnangagwa. Because you don't support Mnangagwa, you must support CCC. How do you, what, what, I'm sure you, you express, you, yeah, you, you experience you, you those accusations. Yeah, you encounter this, what uh, do you this say accusation. To that? What I do you always, say to that? There's, a, there's one of my virtual mentors, uh, Grant Cardone, has taught me something. 
He said, whenever someone is criticizing you, just say you're right and right. you move on. Right. Don't debate. Yeah. So what I do even on social media, when some, some people think that maybe I'm criticizing the government, obviously you get criticism from the other side. When people maybe they are saying, I'm now aligned to the government, which is uh, the ruling party, Someone who criticizes, I always say, no, you're right. Mm. I think your opinion is okay. And then you move on. Move on is their opinion life. after all. Yeah, because mm. it takes two people to debate. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, you, want, you went and did self-publishing. Why did you do self-publishing? Talk, talk, walk us through the process of deciding, I want to write a book, I'll do self-publishing. How did you do that? I thank you so much. I just wanted to do something different because I was reading a lot of local books and I noticed that sometimes... Uh, there's, it's as if they are written with one author or maybe the way they were doing things. Because I noticed, no, they, they, they've got publishing house. Mm. And I also worked under publishing house. Mm. Uh, it's my publishing house. That's when I said to myself, no, I think my first book, I'll self-publish it because I don't want it to, to, I don't want to remove much of my content. Because if I was going to have an editor, if I was going to have a publisher, some of these inf- these. Uh, <laughs> This information, my guru, they've been edited out, <laughs> edited out, and uh, it's been there. There are a lot of sensitive issues which are in this book, yeah. Uh, and it's original because mm. I've wrote names of people, mm. and these people are there. Mm. Some people would have said you would be sued because you're mentioning uh, companies, you're mentioning people. So I said to myself, I'm, I'm ready to carry the cross, let us just to publish it as it is. And you face the criticism as we go. You say your parents, uh, Grace and Jeremiah, yeah. are your heroes. Exactly. Explain that to me. Yeah, my dad uh, is a war veteran. Was a war veteran. He played a part in uh, in fighting for the freedom of this country. He was also a soldier and very tough. So much of the discipline, I got it from him. Because when he says six o'clock, it's six o'clock. When he says uh, it's 10 o'clock, it's supposed to be 10 o'clock. When he says you're supposed to water the garden, you are supposed to do that. And you know, soldiers, it's about <laughs> when they tell you, uh, say jump is just how high. Yeah. You, don't, you don't ask them why you are jumping. Um, so it, it gave me discipline. And is uh, someone also who never went to school uh, because of the war. He started uh, corresponding first, uh, in 1980, mm. uh, got his uh, O-level, even his A-level. Or they failed to go to the university. Then my mother now, my mother is a vendor. Even up to now, she still says. I actually say, Mommy, please, what why are you still selling? Then she says, No, I can't sit. I'm supposed to be selling. You can even hear that now. I'm not, I'm not going to Botswana to buy some clothes. I need to sit to resell so you, them. You, you, you take after her. I take after her. Yeah, she's a chief vendor. She's <laughs> she's better than me. So yeah, everywhere where she is, she's always selling something. Mm. She's always she's a source of inspiration, encouraging me. Uh, please work hard. Mm. Uh, always pray for us. So that's very important. You you read a lot. Um, um, you say part of my own self education has seen me fall in love with reading business books. And I have noticed that most secrets are hidden in books. Absolutely. Talk to me about the importance of books in your life. Very, 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 very important. I actually thank God every day to say, I think this was grace for me to start noticing that the secrets of even running my own businesses are embedded in these books because it has changed the way I interact even with my wife. It has changed the way I see things. Because when someone, everyone is seeing black, I'll be seeing white. Because why? I've read a book. Like, I think there's a, this other book which I've read. It's called Sale of the Sword by Grant Cardone. Just talking about commitment. Greener pastors. If you start to sing, uh, is like other pieces, even in, in a relationship. Mm. If you start to see, you commit to your wife. I will commit 100% to my wife. You start noticing that, ah, I, my wife is beautiful. There's no, there's nothing which I'm actually chasing after other, all these other ladies because of commitment. So even you notice the way these guys they write their books, it has opened my 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 mind. When did you start to be, um to 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 have an interest in reading? When did it grab you? Amazingly, thank you so much. It started off in March, to be exact. It was on the 14th of March, 2020, when I was going to Zambia. Wow, it's not uh, way back. I'd never read a book until 2020. 2020. I, I, I actually dropped English literature because of that. So 2020, I wanted to play music. It was, uh, 
I was in Kenyan Airways. Mm-hmm. Then I wanted to play music. Also, on my trip to Lusaka. Then mistakenly, I played a book which is called How to Be a Fierce Competitor. So when I was listening to the book, the first statement caught my attention. Then I said, let me listen to this book. Oh my, this guy was actually, it's as if he was prophesying about what was happening in my business. Then when I when when he was mentioning about you are supposed to start an hour early, you're supposed to hire, don't hire people because of sympathy, then I'm like, okay, so I can get this information from this book. So for my for my uh, my, my first trip, I read the half of the book. When I came back, I looked for that book. And I noticed that one of my young persons, uh, Itamuka, is actually in a couch of reading the books. Then he gave me the book now. I finished reading that book. I finished almost, uh, his, his name is Jeffrey J. Fox. I, I finished almost a, all the books which he, read, he wrote, I read them. Because I was now, I got that interest. So in 2020 only, I'd read more than... Uh, more than 30-something books. Then that's when it started. Every day nowadays, I'm supposed to be reading something. Wow. Yeah, it transformed us. I can attest to that. You know, I started reading very late in life. Yeah. Uh, but not as late as you. Uh, <laughs> I started reading 30 years ago. It has transformed who I am. I cannot remember. I cannot uh, relate to the person that yeah. I was 30 years ago. I can't relate to the person I was two years ago because I change every day. Uh, because of uh, reading my Bible, exposure to yeah. to, 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 to to ideas. Let's um, um, before we go to talking about books. Well, what has life taught you? What has life taught you? What has this journey of yours taught you? Yeah, it. Uh, thank you so much. It taught me that if you are hungry for something, if you want something, you can get it. Uh, I never thought that one day I would appear on a t- television set. I would sit with you because we used to see, ah, no, this is uh, Mr. Trevor. You know, it, uh, life has actually taught me that, no, if you're hungry, if you're pushing every day with the grace of uh, God as well, you can, be, you can be successful. And it also taught me to be humble, mm-hmm. to say, wherever you go, uh, they actually, I've said to my, to my guys, even to my friends, even my family, if you notice that maybe where you are now playing, like uh, the league which you are now playing, People are now treating you like a god in that league. Please move, move out forward. of that, that league <laughs> and trust it targeting another league. So that's, uh, that's, that's what I also learned in life to say, no, move on. Continue being an underdog in a certain league. Mm. So whilst other leagues are praising you, it's a, oh, you should always be, be a beginner in life. You know, I, I'll say this to people that are watching us right now, Jerry, that... Um, like you, I've come to the realization that the people that are going to change this country are not the people that are shouting about politics. True. It's people like you and the amazing human beings that I'm meeting that are doing amazing things quietly. And those people have distanced themselves from politics. Mm. Um, and there are people that, that, that are occupying the middle ground but doing amazing, amazing things. So I agree with you. This country is going to be changed by entrepreneurs like you who see the obstacles but turn around the obstacles as opportunities. That's true. Thank you so much. Yeah, I also believe that uh, we, we've got what it to. We've, we've got a lot of educated people. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's never going to be easy. We've got a lot of young educated people in Zimbabwe. But what I also want to tell to my young uh, educated people out there, we shouldn't stop learning. The biggest problem is someone, if someone attains a diploma, a degree, a master's, a doctorate, they now think that they know everything. There's a lot of information which is hidden, especially in these books which we're talking about. Because when you're reading a book, it's different from when you're reading a book with the intention to pass. When you want to pass, it's just cramming. You pass, then you forget. But when you're reading to apply, it's a different phenomenon. And I've actually saying to myself, Every year, I'm supposed to attain at least two, three degrees because I'm reading information which I can use to transform our economy, Zimbabwe. Yeah. Jerry, what do you say to, and I want to, to address you, the viewers out there, in the first instance, what do you say to the, the, the view, young viewers watching you right now and saying, yeah. oh, he talks, he's talking about books because he can afford them, he can buy books. Um, um, but I can't afford a book, point number one. Point mm. number two, 
he's going on about all this stuff. Uh, he's, he's privileged. It's tough out here. It's yeah. tough. As if good things are impossible. Mm. What do you say to those people watching you right now? Okay, thank you so much, Trevor. So what I want to say to the young people out there, maybe you are in Mblawa, you're in Popoma, you're in the streets, you're in Tulibadzimu. Uh, what I want to say to you is things can be tough. I understand. Things are tough. Things are bad. But is that uh, when you've got a vision, when you can see a vision to say, no, I think I can, because what you see actually in your mind and you say, no, I think I need to own a helicopter in next 25 years. I still remember telling one of the guys I was working with at Edgar's, he was uh, saying, you guys, yeah, yeah, you're on contract. Uh, you guys must do work for us. Then I said to him, please watch me in the next 10 years. I won't be where I am today. Because I was saying, there's no sense going to school. You need, don't need to go to school. And I'm saying, no, my life would be changed because it was a vision. So I'm also saying to you, your life is going to be changed. Who knows? Maybe the next president. Who knows? Maybe the next CEO, the next billionaire to come out of Zimbabwe. Maybe the next richest person in Africa. Because they've, all of them, they've got history. So we are living in an economy which has got a lot of opportunities. But if you don't change your mindset, it is never going to change. Then on the issue of books, to be honest, right now we're not living in the world of technology. Books are now cheap. Very, very cheap to the extent that some of them, there are now channels where you can download books for free. Not even books. These guys, they've got money. They're spending money, they're spending money debating on Twitter. How much data are you using? Debating about politics on Twitter, about religion, on, on watching those lives from our celebrities and debating about who is uh, having a lot of money, who doesn't have. Start watching your YouTube. There are a lot of lessons. This program, In Conversation with Trevor, it has got, uh, it has got it has many uh, phenomenal people. People are doing good in business. People sharing their stories. Why can't you start watching that instead of focusing on who is has got a lot of money in Zimbabwe? Why can't you be counted as someone who's got a lot of money in Zimbabwe? So that's what I want to say to them. They can transform their lives. It happens because of them. Not someone else is going to. There's no savior to come. It's you who's going to save your life. You love reading books. You have written a book. What books would you recommend? At least three books that three you've books. read. I, I know you've been you've spoken about Godon, <laughs> uh, so no, we don't want <laughs> no, any no, from him. No, okay. um, what books have you read? At least three books that you would want to recommend to our book loving audience out there. Okay, I think the first one there's a book which is called uh, No BS for No BS, uh, Management of People and Profits. It no is, BS. No BS. It was written by. Uh, Dan S. Kennedy. Mm -hmm. Then there's a book which is written by Jeffrey J. Fox, mm -hmm. How to Be a Fierce Competitor. That one is a must. Mm -hmm. Then the last book which I'll mention, it was written by uh, Sansu, Art of War. It's a good book. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there are a lot of them. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Jerry, what a pleasure talking to you. I mean, uh, I love your. Uh, your, your focus on changing your mindset because a lot of, a lot of young people out there really need to look at themselves um, instead of looking at the circumstances around around them which, which are which are hurdles. We, we I think as a society mm. now have a tendency of blaming everything exactly. around uh, when we can yes it's tough yeah. but you, we can make it we can make it <laughs> can make it end. so thank you so much thank allow you. me Jerry to um, tend to our viewers all over the world. We are getting to 5 million uh, views. Thank you so much for, for that support. Um, remember, we are a weekly show. We come out uh, every Monday, 7 a.m. Central African time to ensure that you don't miss out on any of these quality conversations, such as the conversation I've had with Jerry. Please click on to the subscribe button. You, re you receive an alert when you subscribe. We have gone a step further, by the way, and created three important platforms for you. We have a newsletter that comes out every Friday. Um, we have uh, a, a podcast for all the conversations that we have on all important podcasts. We have also created a website where 
all our content uh, sits uh, for your viewing, for your listening pleasure. Uh, remember to subscribe, uh, to like, to share. Until next time, cheers to you all.